Welcome to the Guest X Podcast, where my co-host Brian Hamawi and I uncover the latest technologies and human-driven initiatives that are raising customer expectations and forever changing how we are defining customer experience across a host of industries. If you are passionate about creating incredible content and unique experiences, join us as we talk to leading product and experience experts across the globe and learn about how today's most successful brands are setting themselves apart from the competition. Good evening from Brussels. Good afternoon, I guess, from Orlando, Mr. Maui. How are you, bud? Barely morning, or barely afternoon. Barely afternoon. I'm still waking up. <laughs> Things are good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, with the uh, tell you, the short stay, some of the shorties last week, the short stay yeah. summit, um, was very impressed with, I think, only the second uh, short stay summit they've done, just a one-day event, but did really well. I think they had five, 600 attendees um, on the property management side. Really interesting. Uh, one of the takeaways I got was um, over here, a lot of the property managers and our guests today will appreciate this, but a lot of the property managers had booths hmm. because they do um, over here. It's a lot more common what I'll call condo worlds model, right? Um, Alex, where they'll uh, have other property managers listing their listings on their sites. Um, so they kind of serve as a little bit of an OTA, but also their conferences will attract some single unit or two or three unit homeowners who are, you know, want to check out the different property management companies. And so, you know, Sykes Cottages has got 23,000 or so over here, but they had a, they had a booth, a number of players under the doormats real big in, in London, they, they had a booth. So that was pretty interesting, but it's, it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, I was very disappointed. I didn't get out there. There's this thing called a passport. And before oh. you travel, apparently, you apparently, need one? it needs to be valid. Oh. And so from going to Europe last year and doing some of those shows to this year and having a, uh, an expired passport and a slow government to issue them, I completely missed the show. Yeah, what, what a load of crap. You need a passport. I tell you what. Well, I will give you a show. We've got to get it going. And I'm excited today uh, about our uh, our guest because it's someone i haven't gotten to spend a lot of time in with in the industry but he's been in the industry for a really long time but i will give you so just a real quick funny story so i woke up the wednesday of the shorties and uh just had this kind of weird feeling that something like something wasn't right so i got up it was really early i go down i started working reading over because we were leaving London to go over to Brussels for a while before we head over to the Focusrite conference, which I'm excited you and I are going to be broadcasting from there. But uh, so I'm looking over the entry requirements, you know, valid vaccination, got it. But then I noticed vaccination is hyperlinked. You know, that's weird. So I click on it. Your second jab, as they say in London, I guess, could not be more than 271 days old. If you didn't have the booster and I quickly, I'm like running through the math in my head. I'm like, it's going to be close, like really, really close. So I rushed back 295 days for both my wife and I. So we end up running to just a pharmacy, local pharmacy, you know, government healthcare over there. Like explain to him, look, I don't pay taxes here. Here's my situation. They're like, Oh yeah. So we get our booster in, in London 
so that we can so we can make it into into Belgium. How about that? Now I'm going to have to look into boosters on top of everything. Yeah, <laughs> and then <laughs> and then my and then my wife got sick uh, oh, no. from from her booster. Yeah, spent a day, you know, curled up in bed, and I had the short uh, short stay summit the next day, so I wasn't uh, I was lucky it didn't didn't have any effect on me, but. Uh, yeah, so read everything. I guess the new lesson in today's world, you got to read everything really carefully. Uh, something I know I'm not very good at. But hey, why don't you g- give a little intro today for our guest and let's let's jump into it. It's been a little while since you and I have gotten together, so this is going to be fun. Yeah, let's do it. Today's guest, he's an industry veteran, uh, Steve Schwab. He's the founder and CEO of Casago. Steve has over 18 years of experience uh, serving the vacation rental industry. His vision has created a blueprint for world-class customer service. Steve serves as a pioneer in performance-driven industry software. Uh, His position as a managing partner in Streamline Vacation Rental Software has allowed him to create many industry-first technologies that continue to change our market today. Steve, welcome to the show. Well, thanks for having me, Brian and Matthew. Pleasure yeah, to be here. it's great to have you. Um, you know, we Matt and I have uh, talked quite a bit about you, and um, just the brief description that I give. I mean, Streamline coming in, helping pioneer one of the the leading software technologies in our industry, and then obviously starting Casago and and the uh, success that you've had there. Very impressive, um, especially for our industry. So what I'd love to do first is give you the opportunity to just give us a little bit of your background, what you guys are doing with Casago, and where you see the industry today? Sure. Well, you know, my background was originally in the military as an army ranger, uh, served there for nine years, got out, went to college, ended up down in Mexico, a little beach town called Rocky Point. By pure accident, got into vacation rentals, uh, didn't have a website, didn't have uh, anybody helping. It was kind of a, a, a trial by fire, if you will. Got going and took off. As it started to grow, we one of our competitors in town actually left with everybody's money. All the HOAs called. We came in and just through some goodwill of paying people's bills without being able to find them, we had enough good press that we sort of became the, uh, the de facto property management of town. And our reputation grew. Carlos Corzo ended up being one of my homeowners. And uh, through <laughs> that relationship and friendship and uh, partnership, his genius and uh, my on-the-ground tactics uh, was able to to create some magic there. So, going forward, we uh, we had a uh, we had some rock star employees who have you know are we've had we have eighty three employees now that have been with us for more than ten years. Now that about half of them have been with us for more than fifteen now. So, real stable environment. But some of them who wanted to go, I started to realize if they left, I was we were going to miss out on them. So we started uh, offering them equity in other cities. And that became the beginning of our franchise model and the infrastructure as a service uh, in property management. So grew it out from there. And uh, we came into the U.S. Uh, 2007 during the last crash. One of the uh, property manager who we who I knew here in Scottsdale had uh, ran into some problems, called me up, and that was our entrance into the U.S. And from there, we've grown it into uh, uh, 32 markets now. So wow, wow! How many uh, how how many units total within the system now, Steve? As of now, we're just sitting under 5,000. Wow, that's that's so. impressive. Yeah, the thing one of the things that strikes me is the beginning of that story in particular. It's just so 
common of, of so many, I would say, of uh, the leaders of this industry, right? This isn't an industry that many people, and I think it's where it is in its life cycle. They didn't come out of college and say, okay, I'm going to start a property management company, right? It's just good business people who found themselves and saw an opportunity. And that's, I think that's how great industries usually do get started. And then have really kind of taken it and grown it from there. You know, one of the questions and we talked about this just briefly before we jumped on Steve is love to get your thoughts as someone who has really seen this industry go in your words from, you know, where property managers didn't have websites, right. To then the listing sites. And then where we made them, you know, truly online, real door, real time bookable, and just everything that's, it's really been involved I would say everyone would agree now that we're really in a period of some consolidation. I think uh, just thinking back just over the last year, probably Explorey's clients, um, probably four or 5% have been acquired. Some of them leading to better opportunities for our company and some not, uh, which I think is the way it goes. But, but regardless, I think no one would disagree that that seems to be kind of the theme of this period and the growth of this industry. As we think about guest experience, what does that consolidation mean for the guest experience? You know, is it better today because of it? Is it going to be better in the future? Is it more of a, in the future, this will lead to better things, but we've got to go through this. I mean, sitting back and looking, I mean, what, what does all this consolidation, where, where's it end? I mean, where, where do we, where do we get to, do you think as an industry? Sure. Well, you know, I, I think, first of all, like the only thing that is constant about this industry is that it's constantly changing. Right. So first coming in, you know, if you had your own website and did really well with that website, you could be sort of the, the local guy that got all the leads. Uh, homeowners came to you almost no matter what kind of job you did, because you could provide reservations. You know, logistics weren't nearly as important. And then over time, in came, you know, the marketplaces, then the OTAs that were, you know, listing sites. And at first that was that, that consolidated, that sort of consolidation of, of just listings was actually not a good thing for the industry. Over time, they got better at it. Uh, property managers had to step up their game. Transparency became, came into effect, you know, reviews, these sort of things. So now we're in a place where the property managers, property managers themselves are being consolidated, right? So as of right now, uh, I think there's a lot of focus just on financials, you know, with the margin compressions that have happened through technology, through listing sites, you know, through marketplaces, competition. I think that uh, from a financial point of view, there might be more stability for property managers who are consolidated because they have, you know, the sort of P, um, you know, finances behind them. But overall, uh, I don't think that the consolidation is at a place yet where it's really creating that that experience engine that builds out a better experience. You know, it's really top down consolidation. So, you know, I don't believe we're there yet from a technology point of view. I think there's resources now that are coming through where you're starting to see better uh, interactions through technology, apps, communication, you know, automated door locks that are now being not only just a door lock, but it's also part of that environment where, you know, where uh, these larger uh, firms have the resources to, to leverage that. But we're not quite there where the, the, the really large guys are able to dig in 
truly, you know, three, four levels deep and turn those wrenches and, uh, you know, call that local person at know who to call, you know, that, that local person at two in the morning, uh, to fix a toilet, to provide that, uh, you know, that guest experience to get things fixed. Do you so, really think we're ever going to get to a position where even the big guys are going to be able to do something like that? I mean, we're not operating hotels. And I think one of the true things about vacation rentals is, and we were talking about it earlier, is each home is independent. Each home has its own identity. Each home is in a subdivision. They're miles apart in some cases. And each market's completely different. The homeowners are different. The way the, the units operate is different. And the way the traveler, the expectation of the traveler is completely different market to market. Do you think there's a real way, other than some implementation automation into homes, to get to a place where we really say technology is going to take over and we can say everything's going to be exactly the same way across all markets and then be able to translate that to a streamlined customer experience on the ground? I think it's nearly impossible. I mean, never say never. But, you know, when you look at just the different cultures and expectations that happen from homeowners of one market to homeowners of a different market, right, and commission experience and how things are, how, you know, how their guests are checked in, how they're screened you know, what the expectations of those guests are. It's so different. Yeah. You know, when you go to that city, uh, we've seen property managers who've come in and tried to run, you know, a West Coast uh, market like their East Coast market and end up just going bankrupt because of it. Uh, you you got to dance the devil's dance when it comes to, you know, each market, right? You, you, you may know the immutable principles of property management, transparency, honesty, clean properties, you know, communication. Those are all safe and consistent, but but everything else is up for negotiation. When you walk into those markets, those homeowners own those markets, and you're, you know, you're at their uh, what's the word I look for? Second call. It's yeah, basically their, their mercy. Still, the yeah, there you go. Thank you. Yeah, you're at their mercy. You can cut that last part out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're at their mercy, and so you better understand that they're the ones that own these properties, not you. And if you're not doing the job that they're expecting, you're not going to get there. So when it comes to technology, if you don't know their property, the ports of their property, if you don't know who to call at two in the morning in Snowshoe, West Virginia, that you can reliably get a hold of, they can go over there and fix that guest problem when the heat's out. How are you ever going to operate a great property management, you know, guest engine, you know, uh, uh, experience engine? You just can't. So I, I think technology as a whole helps. I think technology will never ever fix the fact that this is a wrench turning, toilet cleaning, window wiping, bed making, get on the phone and have a conversation industry. And so there's somewhere there's an intersection between those two. Yeah, and, and one of the concerns I've had is, um, and I think I've brought this up with you before, Brian, but you know, well, my background, I came from a PE run uh, owned company, a couple of them. Right. And, uh, so I understand how they think. And I wonder if some of the valuations I look at when you think about what Steve's talking about are not the valuations of operating companies. These are the valuations of at a minimum tech, well, probably tech enabled businesses, right? Our valuations certainly have not hit uh, not within, I think, the operators, like a, a SaaS product. But the valuations, I would say, have, have rivaled tech-enabled. And I wonder if there's a little bit of a of a WeWork going on here where 
the frenzy has created, you know, WeWork was valued like a tech company when really it was just an office leasing company and a lot of smoke. And you just wonder to, to, you know, Steve, do you think about when you think about those valuations? I know, look, you've grown yours organically, but when, when these get these, a lot of these others, Vacasa, you know, obviously Steve Milo has been in the news lately making big acquisitions. When you think about Ryson and certainly in, in my neck of the woods, Southern at 1200 units, like that money's got to be paid back. And it's not just that it's got to be paid back. There are big expectations as to the returns on that money because they view it as I put my money here as opposed to over here where it could have returned Y. So it needs to return or X. And so it now needs to return Y. I mean, how do you think about that with our industry and being a wrench turning industry? I mean, at the end of the day, we really are a service industry, right? And so when you look at traditional multiples on service industries, you're, you know, you're looking at multiple, you know, trailing multiples of EBITDA instead of looking at, you know, uh, future values, of, you know, of, of, of scale. Uh, it's hard to see. And, you know, I'm, I'm not a PE guy myself, but when I look at these numbers, I'm like, you know, people are buying these large property managers up for eight, nine, 10, 11 X. And these are just contracts. These aren't assets. These aren't uh, software as a service. Unless you take it to IPO and somehow, you know, show that maybe show the, the public that you can uh, continue to scale at those, at those rates, you know, how does it, uh, how does it end? I don't know. It's interesting. It's really interesting. It, it, and this is an interesting conversation because we are a service. Well, in my mind, we're a service business. There are, and then there was a podcast that came out this week that I was listening to and they were saying, no, we're actually the complete opposite. We're an e-commerce business because People are going onto a website, they're clicking on homes, they're booking the home through this e-commerce site, and we just provide the service behind it, very similar to like an Amazon. Mm-hmm. But in my mind, I'm going, actually, we're really, a, we are a service-based business. We, unless you're building technology where the people are actioning that uh, e-commerce side and you own that technology, we are not e-commerce. Brian, I, I totally agree. I mean, unless you are a travel brand that can scale, that ha- that organically with your own website and SEO, you're not depending on OTAs, marketplaces, these sort of things. If you're not tech enabled from the point of view that you own your own tech, you know, putting your own travel brand on and, and traffic coming to that up against your own tech and then saying we service that is one model. Going out and buying off-the-shelf property management software, listing all your properties on OTAs, and then hiring a bunch of people to service that and calling yourself a tech company or, you know, an e-commerce company is you're you're fooling yourself if, you're, if that's what you think you are. Yeah, yeah, I I agree. Well, let's talk a little about that because it is an industry, your industry now with with and I'll. I, I mean that in your secondary industry of franchising, right? Within the vacation yeah. rental industry, though, that is an area where a lot of value can be brought to the franchisees. Um, is that kind of how you view the role kind of of a franchisor in this industry is being, you know, the the ability to really have custom built 
technology. Obviously, um, you've made some acquisitions of some technology. I know you've got a, a good group of engineers there that are working on building on top of that or building, you know, your own independent. How do you view franchising and its value given the landscape we're in today with vacation rentals? I think we're sort of in an interesting place right now. If you look at the top 10 real estate, residential real estate companies, they're all franchises. And, and why is that? You know, it goes back to what we were talking about before, right? If you are in, in Big Bear, California, and you're not that local guy that knows who to call or how to get things done, it's really hard to have a great service. But at the same time, if you're that local guy, do you really have the access to enterprise tools, to, you know, to... Uh, amazing, you know, revenue managers to, you know, um, all the sort of things that, you know, the big guys have, right? Well, you probably don't. So it's, I see franchising a lot as infrastructure as a service. So we're providing a community of people who come together. We're providing the infrastructure, enterprise infrastructure as a service so that, you know, you can be the local hero. We talk a lot about local heroes. You being that local hero who's on the ground, loving on those homeowners, you own your own company. You know, it's not somebody else's. You own it. It's your risk. You're the entrepreneur. You're making it happen. But you're coming underneath a brand that has that has scale and size and technology um, and has the ability to help you be successful, advise you when, you know, with with expertise that you could couldn't afford on your own. And that infrastructure makes you able to compete with the large guys from a resources point of view, but still have that advantage of being the person who knows your homeowners, you know, is invested in your homeowners, you know, you love your community, you care about your community because you're not from some other city that got a suit that came in from another city that got placed. And uh, you're just there to, to turn the numbers and make sure you're profitable. You know, you 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 live there and you love this place and you're responsible to your neighbors and you know the city council. And so us as the franchisors is there to give you all the tools and community and expertise so that you can go do what you do, which is just you know, be this awesome local property manager that is uh that's proud of what you do and is part of that community. So at what point did you guys basically stop? Right. You guys provide all of the infrastructure as far as the revenue management and even even that topic on its own. Revenue management in a local market is very difficult. You yeah. have to know all of the nuances, seasonality. It changes drastically market to market. So how do you guys support that? Because that in itself is it's an enormous market or an I mean, enormous exercise. Sure. I mean, it's, it's all about partnership. Right. So making sure that we're having communication and discussions with our local managers, you know, our local uh, Costco owners, you know, making sure that we, that we're, we're doing weekly reviews. So a lot of local companies will understand the market, understand the different communities with inside of it, understand the different nuances of, you know, how's, how's beachfront doing to compared to the beach, you know, beach view or, How's, uh, you know, ski and ski house comparing to, you know, um, off mountain uh, properties. Those are the conversations you have to be able to have, but then also, you know, our, our revenue manager, Tom Lyons, you know, has 20 years with Starwood, you know, he under, he is a data scientist. How much data do you guys look at and what are you guys doing with data? Uh, to me, data is fascinating, especially when I'm looking at guest data. 
trying to understand what the guests are doing, how far can we take the guest experience based on data. I'm going to throw Matt in there really quick, and this is pretty much off the cuff. One of the things that I'm loving about using a system like Ziva, which is voice, you know, voice connected uh, activity within the homes, is that I'm starting to learn the questions that the guests are asking. How far into technology are you guys going with your products? And what are you guys considering to be able to enhance guest experience within the homes using technology? You no, know, with, within the home, structure matters. So making sure that the, the property itself is uh, one, working properly, uh, being able to check and monitor those through sensors uh, proactively is a big part of what we're working on. Uh, you know, sensor technology is becoming exponentially cheaper and more reliable and better connected. Knowing if that property, if the heat's working, knowing if the property, you know, the, the Wi-Fi is working, knowing uh, if the water's running, knowing if there's a flood, knowing, you know, if there's any sort of uh, red herrings going on with that, that property in real time. And then, you know, interactions between guest and property manager are all documented, recorded, classified, and then, uh, and then brought out to, to make sure that we're starting to see where the trends are. Those sort of documentations you know, over time and over mass amount of, of properties really starts to let you see where the opportunities are to, to make a better guest engine. It's interesting. Um, you mentioned earlier, uh, I'd love to get your take on this because it was some, you know, the apps. Um, I think guest communication really is one of our first, I think, uh, items as an industry to really tackle because it does eliminate a lot of the friction and allows us to the first part of guest experience is setting the right expectations. And you do that through really good communication. And I think it's still an area that's, it's pretty broken, but um, fragmented maybe is the right word, but you mentioned apps what, and there have been a huge growth. Brian and I have talked about this. I mean, um, probably one of the more popular new ones is DAC. Um, they're, they're, they're making they're making waves, um, but you know all the way back to uh, glad to have you, right? Which is probably maybe arguably one of the first ones, um, or guestbook. Or guestbook. I didn't really think of you as an app. I, yeah, I should. I was. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, but you were after. Yeah, glad to have you, guestbook. Um, but you do. But then that brings up a good point. You got the tablet systems, but then you've also got I would say the uh, Rubaroos, which. Yep. Um, and Breezeway even has got a little bit of a tech or a guest communication aspect of their tech. Um, is apps where, I guess my first question is, are apps where we end up? Uh, when I look at the data, really seems to struggle to get people to want to put these apps on their phone for vacation stays. I, anybody, not anybody, but a lot of the success I hear claimed is driven through, that's where your lock code is. So of course they're downloading the app, right? Um, what what's your thought on guest communication, and is it just that we need to be multi-channel because everybody in 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 during the during the buying cycle, certain guest or communication forms are better than others pre-purchase, after the purchase, during during the stay. I mean, what's your thought on that communication? App adoption is really low when it comes to guests, right? With homeowners, it's pretty high because they're invested. They've got an ongoing relationship with you. 
And a lot of what you're trying to do when you're getting somebody, I guess, to download that app is to build a long-term relationship. They don't want to be spammed. They're not sure what the value is. I don't think apps is where we ultimately end up, but I think it's one channel of many. From a logistics point of view, when you're running vacation rentals as opposed to a hotel, the amount of trust that a guest needs from you is greater because they're basically going out on their own away from you, you know, whether it's in the woods of, you know, Oregon or the mountains of West Virginia or the beaches of Mexico, whatever that is, they're not checking in with you anymore at the front desk. They used to, but now they're driving straight there. Uh, there's always anxiety. Is it going to work? Am I going to get in? Is there going to be a problem when I show up? Is somebody going to answer the phone? It's not like a hotel where you check into the front desk. You know somebody's down there. If they don't answer the phone, you walk down to the front desk and find out what the heck. Uh, you're, you know, there's a lot of trust there. And I always talk about how reservations is a, is a trust uh, relationship, right? People make reservations trusting in the transaction that the property is going to be there when they show up. You know, that it wasn't some sort of, you know, um, some sort of ruse. They're going to make sure that, you know, they could get in, that it's what was expected, that, you know, that expectation meets what they actually find out. Uh, getting people to use apps is difficult because there is a, there's a hurdle there to uh, effort to get them to download it and put it on there. I, I think that you're going to have to have multiple uh, communications, you know, Rubaru does something pretty good with text where you don't have to necessarily, you, you don't have to download their app. You, it automatically, the app's sort of an internal thing. And then suddenly I just checked in, in uh, Sun River um, with one of our new franchises, uh, Stacy and Greg, they've got a great operation there. Uh, they're using Rubaru. And so um, rented one of their properties from them, went to check in. I get the text message. There was nothing to download. It had all the information in there. When I got to the door, I didn't have to go try to find an app because honestly, I was driving a motorcycle. I wasn't going to download apps while I'm driving a motorcycle and all this sort of stuff. I just sat there for 15 minutes. You know, the text message came early in the day, which was a great thing because I was in the mountains. Who knows if I was going to have Wi-Fi, yep. right? Yep. So uh, I thought that was a pretty good, uh, a pretty good, uh, that was a pretty good solution there. I think between advancements of te uh, lock technology where I think locks are going to get a lot better. Uh, I think that uh, text message apps, I think you got to throw everything against the wall and see what's going to stick. Uh, eventually, you know, we, as we look down the road with 5G, you know, the home itself will be its own tech enabled, you know, uh, solution where it's answering questions. You know what they're using. You know, when there's a refrigerator out, you know, when they're about to check in, you know, it recognizes people's faces, make sure it's who's supposed to be checking in. I think a lot of that is where we end up but uh, it's still a long road to get there. What's your opinion on consolidation on this side of the technology? And we've seen, seen the PMS um, consolidation for the most part, the, the bigger picture on, on, on some of the bigger software. But what we haven't seen is a consolidation on guest apps and door lock systems and, and all of these extra applications. As a property manager, what I find is we have so many systems and so many things to implement, it's expensive. Every time you add something, it's an extra 10 bucks a property here and another 20 bucks here and percentage here. And, and now you start to add that onto your property management software and you're like, oh my God, all of it's expensive. I want to do it all, but I can't, I just cannot. First, I can't afford to do it. Second, the implementation side of things is an absolute nightmare everything's requiring different things. 
do you ever think we're going to have consolidation on let's call third party apps um guest apps all of that side of of, of the industry I think at some point, the solutions that the property management softwares have to provide is from beginning to end in order for them to be, you know, to, to be a, a solid solution. I think you're vulnerable if you're doing, if you're doing secondary services to a PMS. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, as PMSs look at those like, wow, they're charging that for those. I could do it ourselves and charge less. We've already got the system built, right? Mm-hmm. So I feel like a lot of the secondary services end up being consumed and becoming less valuable over time, which will probably create a consolidation, which will probably create a beginning to end um, solution. You know, a lot of like, even if you just look at Streamline, it does everything from beginning to end. Maybe it doesn't do certain things as well as third parties, but uh, there's pressure on those PMSs to make sure that you do everything as well as third parties uh, beginning to end. So it's going to eventually get there. And there's always going to be a new innovation that comes out as, as a, as a secondary you know, uh, offering. And the PMSs are always going to be trying to catch up with those. Um, and especially with how many PMSs there are in the world today, you know, 10 years ago, there was four or five of them. And, you know, and every now and then you hear about somebody who show up to a couple shows and they kind of disappear. Now it's, it's, there's, I don't know how many there are. There's like 60 of them or something like that that are out there. We're over 200. That was over 200? Yeah. See, crazy. I can't keep track. Yeah. <laughs> There's so no. many. There's so many. Yeah. I, I, I worry about that, actually. I feel like that fragmentation is going to slow down our ability to do anything that is uh, remotely uh, standardized at all. You know, I mean, if, if you boil it back down to a few large ones, they're like, yeah, we all kind of do, you know, the guest experience is going to be reasonable. We're going to have advantages and disadvantages. But you start throwing out all of these 200 property management softwares and at different stages of development and different APIs. And how are you going to get, you know, if you're if you're DAC or Breezeway or Rubaru, how are you going to connect to 200 different PMSs? You're just not. The resources no. aren't there. Yeah. No. And you can't so, support it, right, Matt? I mean, no. you, you have to start picking which ones your partners are because it's expensive to do it on that side yeah. as well. I mean, you have to maintain the API and you also, I mean, in a lot of instances, you, you have to pay the PMS to be a partner. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think today at Explorer, we have 28 and that's just in the U S so, you know, I'm at the short stay summit getting ready for the UK rollout and you know, you've got super control and you, you know, you've got, I mean, there's just a bunch of them international that, that aren't even in the U S so then you have all those you're going to have to build too. It, it you can't, you okay, could not. You're, right. Yeah, mm-hmm. as a vendor, you're trying to pick the winners. Who are the yeah, ones what, that my clients are going to gravitate towards, so I can be there when they get there. What what this industry truly needs is a really solid middleware. Yeah, somebody who is providing. If you want to make, if you want to be the next thing, if you can build a middleware and start connecting to everybody and letting everybody connect to you, you could become something pretty special. Yeah. Fact, is, uh, I've been saying that for a while, a, a consolidated API, basically an API database. Everybody yeah. connects to you and, and you push out that data. There was a guy, there was a guy in Tampa that was, uh, I, don't know, I think, I feel like it was like pre COVID. He was trying he's to, still he's still doing it. Yeah. yeah. It's tough because each, I, each one of these build. softwares has a completely different, 
API call for the exact same thing. Your reservation isn't called a reservation. You know, guest data is completely different in each one of these softwares. Yeah. That's an expensive exercise for them as well. No, and then that, just that, and then maintaining it. That rise of that middleware will be a, a massive lift. But if you pull it off and everybody starts now, now you become the standard and everybody kind of has to build to mm -hmm. you. you. You change that dynamic. But until that happens, it's, it's, we're, we're going to be so severely hampered and fragmented in new technology. Yeah. Yeah. So as we as we wrap up here, Stephen, we really do appreciate the time you've given us. You've been very uh, gracious with your your time today. What what um, for a last question? I mean, what do you think we see over the next two to three years? Is it more of the consolidation? Obviously, we are seeing softening uh, key data, uh, not in every market, but I would say those that really hit big spikes during COVID are definitely seeing softening, um, especially in the shoulder season. So I think we're, I'm not saying we're returning to 2019 numbers, but our industry is is coming back down to a little bit more of some normality, I think, of seasonality and, and rates and stuff like that. But what what is the kind of macro level trends that you see over the next two or three years that you guys are trying to anticipate, you know, at Cosigo for your franchisees, because that is a big piece of what they pay you for, right? Is to be, yep. to understand where the industry is going to be in a couple of years. So they don't have to think about things like that. Well, as of right now, I think we're, uh, we're heading back into some times of uncertainty. It feels a little bit like uh, in a very weird way, kind of beginnings of COVID where there's all this uncertainty and mm -hmm. you're seeing uh, markets get soft really quick. These gas prices, I mean, you know, yep. uh, are affecting every drive-in destination greatly. We knew there'd be a softening of the drive-in destinations. You know, these drive-in mountain destinations were just on fire for years. You know, since through COVID, I think that uh, we've been anticipating a lot more fly-in destinations getting strong again. There again, fuel prices are kind of changing, are driving up those, uh, those gas prices. If blue-collar style markets should do better, uh, that are less expensive. People are worried about the inflation. People are worried about uh, travel expenses and what's gonna be happening. Uh, I think consolidation continues on. It's gonna be interesting to see what happens to uh, the multiples that are being paid over the next uh, year, year and a half. I think that's gonna be a really curious trend. Uh, if it continues upwards or if it starts to back off because the PE guys are saying, yeah, those numbers were great, but now we're looking at this year's and you, you've gone backwards. You know, can we pay you the same multiples? You know, that's a big question for everybody. Um, I think personally and as selfishly that the, the franchise model rises, uh, the ability to compete uh, as a local property manager and have enterprise tools with a group of experts who are there to uh, empower you uh, becomes more important when there's consolidation. Uh, I think that grows. I think the, the market's right for it. And then uh, from there outward, it's really a matter of um, just trying to keep your margins uh, in good in a good place. I think we'll probably see some property managers who are on top of their game with this inflation and keep uh, like, well, we'll give a little more of a raise because we need to. We'll keep doing this. And they're afraid to go to their homeowners and they end up putting themselves into a margin compression where they just can't make it. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, as you go forward, whoever you are as a property manager, make sure you have a really good handle on your P&Ls. And you're going to have to probably go to homeowners and raise rates or 
uh, changed you know service levels or whatever it is because it's going to get a lot more expensive uh, you know with the inflationary rates we have really quick and it could get you into trouble uh, fast so uh, making sure that we're 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 keeping an eye on that is going to be critical to moving forward over the next three years. So on that topic, I mean, homeowners is a big one. I know we're trying to wrap up here, Matt, but I've got a question on homeowners because one of the big things that happened was we had a lot of investors that saw the vacation rental market over COVID and they came in, made a whole bunch of money during COVID and all they've seen is just money, 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 money. Now we're hitting soft markets and they're going, where's my revenue? Yeah. So how do you handle that as a property manager? Because it's a completely, they're saying, well, last year we were so busy and you were, we were making so much money. And now you're going, well, yeah, but things are changing quite a bit. We're going back to pre-COVID stuff. Um, yeah. You have to understand that uh, markets are a little bit different. Uh, interest rates are, effect, are, are starting to affect the way travelers are behaving. Um, how do you manage homeowners from that perspective? Because it's not just the inflation; it's on the revenue side as well. Well, you're going to have to you're going to have to get on them. You're going to have to educate them early. You're going to have to explain the numbers. Uh, investors from one side are easier because they understand numbers. They're, they're more sophisticated. They'll, they'll be you know when you show them inflation numbers and you show them you know, what your market's doing, uh, AirDNA or key data or whatever you're using, showing them how this market's changing and then reacting to it. And if you can show that you're beating the market, uh, even if you're going downwards, you're probably in a better position. If you're dealing with homeowners who are emotional about it, that's a much tougher argument. And where I think the industry is going to struggle is the RBOs um, are going to see who bought and they did it. They didn't want to invest any more money than they had to. They were tight up against the mortgage. So they didn't go get a property manager. They've been just renting it on their own. And suddenly now you've softened, they're going to panic and drop prices. And you're going to, and they're probably going to win in the beginning because they're going to drop prices and uh, they're going to suck up a lot of the air, a lot of the occupancy, but it's going to drive the entire, they're going to drive markets downward uh, because when they drop prices dramatically, what are you going to do? You have to, you're going to, you're going to have to drop prices too. So I think that uh, you're going to see lower ADRs. I think you better educate your homeowners early before, this, before it really gets difficult. Uh, showing them market data and industry data in newsletters and, uh, and consolidated reports is going to help you win. And, you know, sometimes if you drop by 20%, but you're showing them, hey, by the way, the market's dropped by 20%. You, you dropped by 20%, but the market's dropped by 25 30%. So we actually got you ahead. You know, if you go somewhere else, you can do that. But just know that if the next guy just matches the market, you, you're down another 10%. Um, having good conversations. And at the end of the day, you you know, you can't commoditize trust. And how do you build trust? Well, you build trust through communication, reliability, you know, uh, and, and, and provide those actions that they know that, they, that you've got their best interest being owner-centric. Those are the things you have to do before you have to do a recovery. Great advice. So much to unpack. Yeah, no, some great advice as our, as our industry kind of gets ready here for some, some, some more changes as if we haven't had enough over the past three, four or five years. But, uh, but Hey, as Steve said, that's the one constant in this industry. So Steve, thank you again. Really uh, could, couldn't uh, be more appreciative of your time today. I think 
I think our listeners will uh, find a lot of really sound advice here. If um, people want to get, if they want, if they want to get in contact with you, either uh, just you know about some of the topics today or about the franchise model that you've got, what's the best way to do that? I'm, I'm guessing uh, email or through the website. Yeah, you can go to the website at casago.com forward slash franchising, or you can uh, just email me directly, Steve at casago.com. Perfect. So pretty, yeah, just my first name and the company and uh, send me an email. I'd be happy to talk to uh, anybody about anything, not just franchising, just uh, general advice. Great. Awesome. Really appreciate it, Steve. Thank you again. Thanks, Thanks. guys. That's it for this week's episode of Guest X. Be sure to sign up for our email list at guestxpodcast.com. That's guest, the letter X, podcast.com. And follow us on your favorite podcast app so you never miss an episode. We are Mr. Guest Experience, Brian Hamawi and Matthew Loney signing off and reminding you to always create a customer experience worth talking about. This podcast is a Hospitality.fm production.